All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 129. I hope everyone has had a great weekend, enjoyed their week so far. Um, it is that time of year in Cleveland where it is just, it is cold and I am not enjoying the weather and thinking about how many months of this weather we have to go through. I think that's the worst part about this time of year of the winter is you're just anticipating how long it's going to be moving forward. It's going to be uh, a couple months, usually goes pretty deep into March, sometimes even deep into April. Um, so I'm just anticipating a long winter. But the one good thing, I might have said this on this podcast last year, I don't remember. The one good thing I always look forward to is December 21st is the shortest day of the year. So when you know it's dark at like 4 45 p.m or something ridiculous like that um i just remember that past that day it only gets better so if you live in the cleveland area or somewhere similar um with this type of weather just remember that that december 21st shortest day of the year and every day from there even if it's just a minute that you gain in sunlight it is getting better every single day from there so something to uh look forward to as we move into these cold months. Um, something about the cold weather months, though, I like in the, this is the only thing I like about it is that it, I think it forces me to slow down in the summer, in the fall. I feel like I'm go, 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 constantly moving. And I do like that the winter uh, gives me a reason to just kind of get back into my routine, slow things down a little bit, um, refocus and all of that. So I think it is nice for that reason. I think if I lived somewhere that was like summer, beautiful weather constantly, I don't know how I would stop because I have trouble stopping now, but I, I think that would be like a dangerous life for me to live. I don't know. Maybe I'd like it. I feel like this is a thing someone says in a cold weather environment that's like, oh, I don't even think I'd like it if it was like vacation all year. <laughs> Little do I know, like I'd probably actually love it, but you know, it is what it is. This is where I was born, and um, I do I do love it. Okay, so we have some um, some interesting topics to get into today that are a little different from the usual topics. Um, I want to talk about the college football playoff selections that were just made this past weekend. Um, I want to talk about um, some Ohio State players entering the transfer portal and just the st- date of the current program at Ohio State, where it's going, what these things mean, uh, and just kind of how I'm feeling about it. Uh, and then obviously want to get into the Browns losing to the Rams um, on the road. Um, just thoughts on the game in general, kind of implications for the rest of the season as we move forward. Um, so we will get into all of that. Um, let's start off actually with the the transfer portal conversation, because this was the most, I think, recent development in um, college football, Ohio State in general. Uh, So Kyle McCord and also Julian Fleming Fleming actually entered the transfer portal. I guess the only other piece of Ohio State news that was big was that um, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a Heisman finalist, which I kind of figured was going to happen. Very excited for him. He's probably not going to win it, but it's nice that he gets to be there, be celebrated, get to be a part of the ceremony. I think that'll be really cool for him. Um, But yeah, Kyle McCord and Julian Fleming entering the transfer portal. Um, I think obviously the more meaningful one that is going to dictate a lot of where this program goes is Kyle McCord um, not being there anymore, not going to be the quarterback at Ohio State anymore. Uh, 
I saw some rumblings that the Washington State quarterback apparently is supposed to be transferring to Ohio State. Uh, I think Ryan Clark from ESPN had said that, but I have not seen that like fully confirmed anywhere else, anyone being 100% sure that that is the case. Um, So I think I'm going to hold off on saying that that is like factual and that's why Kyle McCord is transferring, but it could be a potential reason um, is that he knew this other quarterback is transferring. He didn't want to be a part of a quarterback competition in that way uh, and decided to go. That is definitely one possibility. Um, Another possibility is he he just wanted a, a different opportunity somewhere else and he didn't like where the Ohio State program was at this point in time. And look, as critical as I've been of Ryan Day, like Kyle McCord is also responsible for um, certain things that happened in these games that led to losses. So uh, I hope uh, he's not in a position where he's just like, oh, I could have done this, you know, somewhere else. Like there is some personal accountability probably that needs to be taken there. But look, these are kids and they can, I'm not going to tell any of them what to do, how to live their lives. um, What decision is the best decision for them? If this is what he feels, um, then he definitely, definitely should do it. Um, I wasn't even sold on him being the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes next year. So I am very interested to see where they go. Uh, There's quite a few defensive players that have also entered, entered the transfer portal. I don't think many of them were starters, so it could be uh, the story, that same story of wanting to be able to start, not wanting to deal with these competitions, or of younger players who have jumped them uh, and been able to start over them. They just want to go somewhere and have an opportunity to play, which I definitely understand. Uh, It does make me slightly concerned when you look at the current state of the program, miss the college football playoffs. Uh, have lost to Michigan three years in a row, uh, have lost in the playoffs multiple times as well. I just, I wonder where this program is going to be in the next couple of years unless some real changes are made. Uh, I And I, I don't know what those changes need to be, but I feel like the program for the last few years has really been leaning on the days of Urban Meyer and what he built this program to be, how he was as a recruiter, uh, the mindset of pl- high school players when they looked at Ohio State and what they thought of it. I feel like Urban really did have a lasting impact on how people felt about the program. Uh, and that's starting to go away as each year goes on and these students coming in are further removed from understanding what the Ohio State program looked like. And they're seeing other programs have the success that Ohio State used to have and potentially not wanting to go there because uh, it isn't currently the, uh, you know, top program in college football, the Big Ten, like it, it isn't having that level of success that high school players would look at and say, I want to be that. Uh, so I think the program is going to have to take a real honest look at themselves and say, what do we need to do moving forward so that we can be that program that we were uh, and respected and everyone wanted to be a part of it when Urban Meyer was there? And I'm not trying to give Urban Meyer like so much credit. I know he has his faults and he had his faults as a NFL coach specifically as well. uh, And he definitely had his faults as a college coach. But I just think uh, the way he had this program running is something that they need to look back at and say, what are things that we can change and implement today to 
have people respect Ohio State and look at Ohio State like that and want to be a part of it. Uh, so I don't know if that is moving on from Ryan Day. I don't know what quarterback you need to bring in to feel that, but I think they definitely need some changes to be made for sure because you can't keep repeating what has been happening uh, in the last couple of years. That's for sure. We don't we don't stand for that um, as Buckeyes. Um, okay, so let's talk about the college football playoff then, um, kind of in that same realm. So the final four teams that are going to be in the playoff for the last year that there's only four teams is Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. This was one of the more controversial years I can remember, specifically for that fourth seed, uh, Alabama getting in over Florida State. And there has been the big conversation around the fact that Florida State's quarterback got hurt, was it three weeks ago at this point? Um and obviously he was the star of that team and was a huge reason of why they were the team that they were and were able to win the way that they did. Uh, so losing him was a huge detriment to them. But in that same realm, they also were able to continue to win games without him. Uh, and they went undefeated, uh, did not lose a single game. They are in a Power 5 conference and they missed the playoffs. So a lot of people are very upset by this because they feel like, they should have gotten in regardless, uh, even though their their quarterback, their star player got hurt. It doesn't matter because they have already done the work to earn that spot uh, and that they deserve to be there. Even if the committee thinks other teams might be more talented, those teams have a loss. Example, Alabama. Um, and so I think I understand the frustration of Florida State being in this position. The one example people keep bringing up that really relates to Ohio State was back in the 2014 season when JT Barrett went down in the Michigan game and Cardell Jones was able to step in in that game, win it, go into the Big Ten Championship, win 59 to nothing, and go on, obviously, to to make the playoffs and win it all that year. And people are saying, what would have happened if the committee would have looked at them and said, hey, I know, you know, you guys lost your quarterback, so you, you're you just not going to be as talented and competitive if we put you in the playoffs, and they made the choice not to put them in. Um, I think that would have obviously upset a lot of people. Now, I don't think comparing those two scenarios is a one-to-one because I think a huge reason of why the Buckeyes made the playoffs in that season was because of that 59 to nothing win over Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. I don't think you can ignore the context of that and say that these two situations are the same because obviously Florida State didn't have as dominant of a win in their conference championship as Ohio State had in their respective year. Um, so I don't think it's a, a one-to-one because Cardale Jones was able to prove that he was able to be just as good as JT Barrett, if not even better than JT Barrett could have been in those games, uh, and proved why they should be a, a playoff team. And then obviously ended up winning it all. Uh, so it, like I said, don't think it's one-to-one, but I do think it's a valid argument to bring up of like how, how can we judge these teams, um, without being able to see, everything that they would be able to to bring to the table even with those injuries like Florida State could argue that you know this this backup quarterback that is now their starting quarterback hasn't had a lot of time the last few weeks to be able to learn to play with the ones the first stringers learn to play um, as the starter on this team and if he had a couple weeks leading up to the playoffs he would be able to improve and get better and have more time to be able to do it um, and obviously now doesn't even have that opportunity to prove it uh, so I I think 
the the main thing that people are frustrated with is the inconsistencies of the playoff committee from year to year on what they value most. Sometimes it's strength of schedule. Sometimes it is those undefeated teams. Um, this year it happens to be, you know, just who they think is the better team, which I agree Alabama currently is the better team than Florida State. So in, in that respect, I understand it. I just think from year to year, they aren't using the same judgments um, to make that final decision because it, it always comes down to a different question every single year. Uh, so I think it's it's been pretty hard to get down to those four teams. I'm interested to see how much better it is with 12 teams. Is it going to actually resolve those issues and there's not going to be any more problems with you know, picking 12 teams and the, the the teams that are at 13, 14, 15 are really ticked off because they felt like they had a good argument to get in. I don't I don't think it'll be at the same level that the arguments are currently being made at, obviously for, you know, one, two, three, and four, because those teams are a lot better and these teams that will be 13, 14, 15 aren't going to have as dramatic of an argument to make. Um, but still, I think it doesn't, it definitely doesn't resolve all of those problems. And I think we're still going to see those persist. I do think it does help you though, be able to find who that best team truly is. If you're giving everyone the opportunity to go in there and play a game so that maybe a nine seed randomly comes in and really dominates because they're on an upwards trend towards the end of the season. Uh, you just, you never know what could happen. Uh, so I am interested to see how it plays out. And I think people's mindsets are going to be in a really good place going into this 12 team playoff because of how angry everyone was about the selections this year. It's going to make people I guess, feel better about having 12 teams because they're like, yeah, the committee screwed it up last year. So I guess we have to have more now and maybe people won't be as frustrated by that. So it's really in a way the committee, I feel like is helping themselves look better um, by making a choice that made a lot of people angry this year. Uh, okay, so yeah, that's all I feel like I have to say about that. Looking forward to bowl games. It's one of my favorite times of year is picking all of the bowl games. Uh, I just enjoy always watching these random games, especially when the players are actually playing and not declaring for the draft or sitting out. I enjoy uh, when you get to really watch a, a competitive bowl game, even between two random teams. So very excited about that going forward. Uh, okay, so let's talk Browns-Rams. Um this isn't, you know, an exciting conversation to have two weeks in a row about the Browns losing on the road once again. West Coast game, the Browns lost 36 to 19. Uh, I think the score looks a little bit worse than the actual game was because I think the Browns were really in it and had a very real chance of winning that game up until about five minutes left in the game. And then things kind of started to spiral after the interception. There was like the random safety at the very end of the game. It got very much out of control. Um, but I do think up until that point, like the Browns had the opportunity to go down, drive down the field, get a score um, and tie tie the game up really. So um, I don't think that score is like the perfect way to, to encompass what this game really was. Uh, so let's start with the positives. Joe Flacco, who, who would have thought I would be sitting on this podcast saying, let's start with the positives, Joe Flacco, like 
that sentence has never come out of my mouth before, especially last year when he ruined my life when he was on the Jets <laughs> and we had that awful, awful game. Um, and just for many years as the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, like I would never, ever think I would sit here and say, that's something positive is Joe Flacco. But here we are because it is the Cleveland Browns and we've had 7 million quarterbacks in my life. So might as well throw Joe Flacco in the mix. But I got to say, he looked really good in that game after that first drive where for maybe the first time this season, the team was able to drive down the field to start the game and get a score. I, I don't even know the last time that happened. Like Jacoby used to do that consistently last year. It was like the team would start the game by driving down the field and getting a touchdown very quickly. And then things would derail. Um, this year, I think the team has really struggled to get a score on the first drive of the game and um, haven't really done that at all up until this point with um with Joe Flacco and I was I was like on top of the world in that moment I'm like okay so now we're going to the Super Bowl that feels like it changed everything the entire trajectory of this team um and you know even though the game obviously didn't work in our favor I think a huge positive out of it is that Joe Flacco can still play um he's got just a killer arm uh great deep ball I feel like the Browns have not had a quarterback that can just is a pure passer in the way that Joe Flacco is. Uh, you know, I think Deshaun Watson, DTR, the types that are, you know, going to run around a lot more like that, um, don't always have the arm that Joe Flacco has. Uh, so it was actually really fun to watch a, a quarterback like that uh, be able to make some of the, thro the throws that he did. He actually looked a lot more mobile than I thought too in the pocket. He was moving nicely, um, better than I thought he would for what, 38 years old, hasn't played since like week three of last year or something like that. Uh, so it was it was actually really nice to see uh, the offense be able to function in in a different way just with the arm talent that he has. Uh, I think that brings like a complicated question though for next week against the Jags on if DTR is ready. Kevin Stefanski hasn't made any decisions yet on who's the starter. I I think before this game, I thought you if DTR is healthy, you probably go to DTR because I felt like his mobility was really going to um, give the Browns a chance to do something different and that you wanted to build with your young quarterback. But at that point in time, I did not expect to see Joe Flacco play the way that he did. After watching that, I think Joe Flacco probably at this moment gives you a better chance to win and you, you really do need to get uh, the, you know a couple of wins here in these final five games. Uh, so I think I would probably go Flacco for starting against the Jags. Um, you know, he... Other than, obviously, he had, you know, his, his great throws throughout the game. His his one bad moment was that late interception in the game, which honestly I would say was just, it was a dumb throw. Like, he, he just missed on that. He should not have made that throw probably at all. Um, obviously, I do not know what the play call was on that. And it's, it's so fascinating to me how everyone always feels like they know what the play call was, where people think Kevin Stefanski went up to Joe Flacco and said, hey, Joe you should just throw a bomb right now. Um, Kevin Stefanski probably did not say that. I'm sure there were multiple reads that Joe Flacco had made um, before making that read, and there were multiple options on that that play that Kevin was you know, hoping he would make, um, and he did not do that. So it, I don't think you can just like jump to the conclusion that Kevin told him directly to do that. I just feel like that's not how play calling works, but... Um, 
in general, that was probably the one the one dumb play of the game. Other than that, I think he looked pretty solid um, in general. Obviously, the interception was like almost poetic because it was John Johnson who made the interception. X Brown, obviously, things did not work out for him in Cleveland. He did not have much success here in Joe Woods' defense. I, I have to wonder what he would have looked like in the current defense if he was not under Joe Woods' defense and just with the rest of the talent that they have on this defense now. But I guess we'll never know. Uh, it just was like I almost laughed when I saw that it was him making the interception. It's like this is the only thing. This happens to the Browns. Like who else does this happen to? It's just so ridiculous sometimes. Um, so I'm sure that was an exciting moment for him. But just just gut-wrenching for us because, like I said, the Browns were in it at that point. They still had an opportunity to take that game, and that, that pretty much sealed the deal for them. I think um, what was weird and concerning in the game it felt like almost the 2022 team was that the defense really struggled um the run defense struggled in general they gave up 120 yards rushing uh Matthew Stafford was honestly tearing up this defense in general too 279 passing yards three touchdowns uh the pa- the pass rushers did not record a sack for the first time this season um Miles was clearly hurting in general um and even when he was out there he didn't play very much but even when he was out there you could tell it just was not him he did not record a tackle for the first time I believe in his career um the defense as a whole also only had one tackle for a loss and two passes defended so pretty much an abysmal performance uh and this was two weeks in a row that they did not look very good on the road I understand but it is a pattern at this point in time that the defense has struggled on the road and had a lot more success at home uh and I think you know hopefully this this coming week that they're back at home against the Jags that the defense can turn it around um because it was kind of an embarrassing performance I mean the the Rams offense does have a lot of talent on it like Puka Nakua is he is so fast it was crazy um, to to watch him and to watch the corners try to run with him. Like, he was just significantly faster than them. Um, he had that 170-yard touchdown that was just, it was incredible. So they do have a decent offense. So I'm not saying that, you know, the Browns defense just played horribly against, you know, the worst offense in the league. Uh, but again, it's just two weeks in a row. They've said they're the best in the world. That was not a best in the world performance for two weeks in a row. So uh, I think, you know, they're really going to need to bounce back at home uh, and they should have every opportunity to because Trevor Lawrence will not be playing in this game. It is, he has a high ankle sprain that he suffered in the game against the Bengals who actually just beat the Jags who are now six and six, one game behind the Browns. Um, They're going to be starting CJ Bethard, I don't even know how to say his um, his last name, um, but that is who they're going to be starting against the Browns. So I am um, very interested to see how this is going to go. And I think it's going to tell us a lot uh, about how the final four games are going to go. If the defense is has another performance like they have the last two weeks, I, th- I don't even know how this team makes the playoffs. If the defense can bounce back, have a solid performance, and the offense can honestly do what they did this past week with Joe Flacco, I think this team is in a really good position to win the game. Um, I think the, the Jags also have another injury with Christian Kirk. He, um, he's out, um, I believe, for the season. So 
yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an important game, um, and you have to get these ones at home for as much as this team struggles on the road. It's really important to get the ones at home. They have um, two or three more home games. Um, it is the Jags, the Bears, and the Jets at home, and then away at the Texans and the Bengals. So. Like I said, every single week leading up to this, these are all very winnable games, um, but we can't keep saying that and then losing them because these last two ones were winnable games and we lost both. I think you probably need to get to 10 wins, so you need to get three of the five here in order to be a playoff team, um, especially just with how competitive the AFC is right now. Right now you have the Dolphins, Ravens, Chiefs, Jags as the first four seeds. The Chiefs have been dethroned from their one seed at the current moment. Um, and then you have for the wild cards, you have the Steelers, the Browns and the Colts, the Colts who have been slowly figuring things out with Gardner Minshew, um, who had a very competitive game against the Browns earlier this year. Um, and then the outside looking in, you have the Texans also at seven and five. So Steelers, Browns, Colts, and Texans all with the same record. Then at six and six, you have the Broncos, Bengals, and Bills. So all of those teams are right there looking in. Um, so you really, I do think need to get to 10 wins in order for this to be a a real thing that the Browns, uh, can do. So it is going to be interesting to see going forward. Um, I think the Jags is going to be one of the harder ones that they have to play. Well, I guess maybe not so much now that Trevor Lawrence is out. I think before it was probably going to be one of the harder ones that they had left. Um, but I'd really like to get this one at home. I think being um, eight and five would be way, way better than being seven and six and having to win three of the last four. Uh, so I am very much hoping um, that that will be the case. I think. I feel that even more after watching the Bengals against the Jags on Monday. Obviously, I think it says a lot about the state of the Jags defense that they, you know, gave up um, as many points to the Bengals uh, in the way that they did. But I think it also tells me that the Bengals offense is starting to figure things out with Jake Browning and we play them in the very last week of the season. If that is going to be a meaningful game, I don't know what Browning is going to look like at that point in time and I don't want to risk it. So I'd like to uh, get some wins before that point uh, so that we don't have to worry about it in the final week with that division game. Uh, okay. That is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, appreciate you all. If you could like, subscribe, um, share with a friend, leave a reviewer rating. I always appreciate those. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. That one is always very important to me. Leave a comment on YouTube. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, then you know that I'm recording this for my also podcast, but, um, leave, yeah, leave a comment on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube. I would very much appreciate all of that. It means so much to me. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always go Browns.